Welcome to Forging Plowshares. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are challenged by it. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Hi, this is Jason Rodenbeck, and I'm with uh, Plowshares Bible Institute. I'm here with uh, Angie Rodenbeck, who is my wife, who is also a part of Plowshares Bible Institute and um, Forging Plowshares as a larger community. And uh, we're here because we want to talk a little bit about uh, a course we're getting ready to release for the Bible Institute called uh, THE 310, The Christian Community in the World. And uh, we're really excited about this course because the the topics are something that we are both very uh, passionate about. And um, I'm not going to spend the whole time talking. I'm going I'm to try and treat this a little bit like an interview, I suppose. So, uh, Ms. Vanjie, how would you describe the overall sort of thrust of of this course um, that we're developing? I think it is a way for us to view ourselves in position to the world nonviolently. And when I say the world, I mean the earth, the environment, this creation, maybe I should say a way for us to position ourselves in and towards creation nonviolently, which really needs some intentional living. Um, And I think if we don't live intentionally, we wind up, as with a lot of other things, just falling into a template the world has set for us. And I I think that was my upbringing. Um, Mm -hmm. And paired with the fact that I just thought God was going to send us all to heaven anyway, which was not here. There was no new earth. And um, it was all kind of disposable. And that opened the door for lots of greed and manipulation. and for us to be very violent to creation, all the living things, animals, plants, um, as well as rivers, mountains, um, it really opened the door to a lot of violence. And so uh, Forging Postures is obviously a lot of Paul's work and a lot of the other folks who've written, um, uh, there's many people who've contributed to the work here, Frank, and some of the other folks that have contributed to the work, and not to mention, goodness, there's lots of people that have written pieces and who um, who are part of that, but we're all sort of committed to a, an understanding of the gospel that says that we are, we reject the option to do violence to one another. And so that uh, that's more than just will we kill a an intruder that came into our house, right, although right. that's one of the, that's the big question everybody wants to throw at you, but it also seems like it affects the way we think about, uh, the way we consume things, the way we treat the world as a, as a source of resources rather than as some, as a, as our home. And I was wondering if, if you might have any insight on how, one thing that you and I, uh, the author, I think you and I have been the most influenced by about these things is Wendell Berry. Um, And so uh, I've been a little bit afraid that the course could end up just looking like a course on Wendell Berry. um, Not be bad. Which would would be a good thing. It would be a good thing. What, how would you describe our approach uh, to reading the Bible and understanding the problem of, of the way we consume and our culture and what the gospel solution is. And uh, I'd be interested to hear what, how you would summarize that. Well, I think the way the course developed as we were writing it, 
kind of began to take a narrative approach as we Mm -hmm. looked at God's intention in the beginning, which is the logical place to look, but then also that caused us to examine sin and what the fall or sin really did to us as stewards of the land, as stewards of resources. And as we spend time talking about in the course, we, we feel like it positioned us in the center being people that wanted to consume and then manipulate to consume. Um, that's the same that we've, we've said we do with other people. But for us, it meant in this particular course, as far as the world and the environment and resources, it wreaks complete destruction. And as we we move through biblical history, we begin to see God's people in a sin cycle to where they are, for instance, in slavery when they go to Egypt, and you have an empire in Egypt that is become a machine of resource consumption. In our in our naivety, a lot of times we think that these people were very primitive that that's not what they were doing, but it is what they were doing. So we see that kind of greed. And I think instead of just assuming the traditional story we always have, which doesn't mean that the traditional story and understanding of liberation and God hearing the call of his people is not true. We also kind of hear, I think tones of God hearing the groanings of the earth um, along with his people there in Goshen as they hurt and as the system they were in was causing destruction as evidenced by the fact that when they're called out of egypt they're given a very different set of instructions about what their life what god has in store for their life absolutely and that's one of the first thing that that happens after the ten commandments is immediately following that before even how to set up the tabernacle where god is going to live among his people There's about two and a half chapters of justice laws about how to consume, how to issue justice and mercy to your fellow person Um, because they had been living in such a consumer society, even being manipulated by that. You've been fond of saying that, you know, those 40 years in the wilderness were about getting Egypt out of the Israelites more than getting the Israelites out of Egypt. I think there was going to be some of getting that culture out of them too, saying we don't want you to go and reproduce Egypt in their gods, in a multi-theistic system, or in the economy that they had in Egypt. We don't want an all-powerful person enslaving others, manipulating everything that they can. And I, I even think there's a lesson to be learned in looking at the plagues and the way they were set free um, and how those plagues, a lot of them wound up severely impacting the environment and then therefore impacting the people. It was like all of creation was suffering a plague um, for that. One of the things I've been thinking about lately, I dabble in a little poetry like Wendell Berry, who doesn't dabble, he's a master. But one of the things I've been thinking that I wanted to write about lately is uh, my own sort of curiosity at why people are so resistant to accept the reality of climate change in the world, or at the very least unwilling to recognize even the possibility that what we do might have an impact on the world around us. And it occurred to me a few weeks ago 
that, well, I think one of the reasons that they resist the idea of climate change is because they recognize that if we accept the, the, the concept of climate change or accept the data about climate change, then that implies that we really ought to change the way we live and that ought to change our economic values. And um, in, went so far as uh, Donald Trump this week was asked if he still denied climate change and his answer was, I don't want to lose money on windmills. That really is uh, the, the rare honesty of that statement was refreshing, but also alarming, but also really revealed, I think, what's there. I think one of the things that for me is emerging as we've worked on this, we're looking at Genesis and then we're looking at Exodus. We're looking at the Levitical laws. We're looking a little bit at the history of Israel and then the prophets and then the gospels. Right. And then we're looking forward into the epistles as Paul especially looks talks about the concept of resurrection and what is God's will through all these passages about how we treat one another and how we treat the land. Those things are intertwined. They can't be separated because how we treat one another, if you're molesting the land and being nice to each other, well, you're not doing very much good for the people that are going to eat what grows out of that land later, right? It's still creation. It's, it's, it's all creation. We're all part of creation. Right we're kind of looking at those and tying in some of the writings of, and, and some work from some folks who, who have thought about this a lot more than me. One thing I was curious about your thoughts on, because we haven't really talked about this. Some of the other courses in Plasher's Bible Institute, we've focused more on true, you know, specifically theological resources. I know that um, some of Paul's work has been, you know, heavily doing Romans or systematic theology. And I spent some time doing, interpretation, and we read Hauerwas's view of Matthew. Your course, uh, primarily, you, you dealt with Amos Young and some of the folks that are sort of theologically approaching specific issues. This course is going to use as a textbook a novel, and we're also reading some poetry. We're watching videos. Some of them are very science-oriented. Some are justice-oriented. I wonder what your thoughts are on the fact that we're reading a novel as a textbook and going to actually read poetry. I once would have really balked at that and would have said, we've got to have a um, endorsed theological resource to work on this, to work through this, or our framework is not valid. And a couple of things have changed my mind about that. One of the things is, having been in the last two years, recently partnered in a peace movement farm group in a partnership with the church we were at and another group thinking we were doing the same thing and they were secular and we were a church. Right. And as I went through, I realized that all of our language was the same, mm -hmm. but we were starting at a different place as a church. We were doing it for different reasons. And because of that, eventually our roads diverged. We talked the same language but the people that were coming at it from a Sierra Club point of view, uh, a completely secular point of view, at some point, it didn't match what we were doing because they didn't see this as the kind of violence that we did because of a product of sin. And they also didn't see an ultimate restoration at the end. Now, that may seem like even more cause to only use a secular source or only use, in our case, a theological source. What it really tested me to do is to be able to have 
the theological conversation with somebody from Sierra Club who is not going to have read a theological resource, um, and there are some. We, we could we could go into some Douglas Moo. We could there, there's a lot we can do, and may point you guys to those things. However, they're not going to read those. They may have read Wendell Berry, but they're wanting. Well, why do you think it's spiritually important? Why is it a part of your worship? Why is it a part of God? And I had to get to where I could articulate that because I didn't have a crafted statement for that. Um, so what I really um, am challenging, I think, the students, the hard thing to do in this is I want you to see a secular resource, a novel, poetry, um, an NPR piece, a BBC piece. I want you to see all of this. And I want us as Christ followers to train ourselves to say, yes, that is gospel and here's why that is in accordance with what God would have us do. I think that is a place where we're going to meet the world more than if we hand them a theological book and say, please read this. It's, it's personal. Um, people are going to hear that. They're going to listen to that. And it's starting from a place where they are. And just like Paul, when he said, you know, I see you have many gods, he goes, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Athens and talks to them about what they know. See your religious people. Yeah, this is a way for us to talk uh, to people about what they know and what they believe, where they are, and say, but you know, I do this for a different reason. I do this because I think this is witness to resurrection. And that opens a very interesting conversation. I didn't always know how to do that. And I've kind of had to work through it on my own. I'd like to give some other people tools you to know, be able to do that too. It's funny. Um, when, uh, when I was preaching um, several years ago, I started reading Wendell Berry. And one of my favorite books, by the way, our dog is driving us nuts. So I'm going to try to push him away here. One Stop. of my favorite books is the one we're using in this course. And I had shared him with a, a wonderful sweet saint who uh, we still keep in, in contact with some. And I remember telling her one day, you know, one of the things about Wendell that I think is very important is how much he concentrates on farming, on land use, on, and, and she never picked up any of that. <laughs> and she was a country girl. She's a country girl, and she, she saw it as more of a spiritual a story about people in community. And there are also people who've read Wendell Berry and who have only seen his real serious essays and research on the way land is used and farming, haven't spent as much time with his novels. And yet what I think we see in Wendell is an understanding of, the, of Scripture and the Gospels, an understanding of people as being part of community, and an understanding of people living on in a place and taking care of that place and knowing that place that I think that brings a perspective to it that most folks may never have really experienced. So. I don't think it's too challenging to, to tease that out for people and to say, but, but can you hear this is witness to resurrection? I think prophetic witness is a big part of what we do at Plowshares. Yeah. And it's a vein that runs through every course. I think that we have every, um, every article, every podcast absolutely. That's, getting, that's done is there's um, a recently Alan's article, David's article. These are things that are at once espousing a gospel. You can't hardly espouse God's message in a world that's antithetical to it without sort of prophetically saying, but that's different from what the world 
right. tends to say. Or, or I might say if you if you are doing it and you're not getting any attention, you you may be doing something you may be doing wrong. Something. Um, and when you read Wendell's Mad Farmer, yeah, uh, you, a mad farmer you can't not hear the prophet in that. It is so clearly, I mean, you could read that right alongside the angriest prophet and, and lose track of who was who because yeah. of what he's doing. So there's moments, and I know where we may belabor it a little bit. One of the things I'm excited about in the course is just sharing some of the resources you and I have found, and some of which we've listened to over and over and over again. A wonderful conversation between Wendell Berry and Wes Jackson from the Land Institute. And one of the things that, I, that always strikes me about that conversation is, and I can't remember if it's Wes Jackson or Wendell Berry, who talks about the way we're treating, they're concerned about mountaintop removal, right. they're concerned about how land is used in farming, corporate farming. Um, some of the resources we're going to share are on small farming and some of the ways that corporate farming is being challenged. I can't remember if it's Wendell or West that says, you know, I think this, I think the minor prophets talked about this. Right. And of course that's at Duke University. So there's a little bit of theological expectation there. And yet right there it is that there are people out there that are working in the world that are saying, the Bible says we ought to be better about this. Right. I think that, when students watch the documentary Sustainable, and they hear about the man who wanted to save local farming mm -hmm. because he loved his community, but it required the community to come together to do it. You can't hear that that group is not a church that right. doesn't care and love one another. And they, they, they even see themselves as stewards of the land and make lots of comments about being stewards of the land. Right. Um, and it's, it's so in line with, Wendell's plant sequoias and also stuff that we're going to hear through Isaiah and Jeremiah. It is all there together. And I feel like I might could sit down with somebody I know that is not, um, for lack of a better word, I hate this term, churched. I could sit down and watch sustainable with them and have conversations with them and we could be in complete agreement and knowing me and knowing my faith, it's going to come out about why I feel that way. Right. I feel that's a church. And most people are going to say, well, if that was church, yeah, yeah if sign that, me if up. that's what church was, as opposed, yeah, exactly. So uh, and, and one of the things about that that I find fascinating about that is particular documentary, which is part of the, we've incorporated as part of the course, we've got some discussion around it, is, yeah, it, it, it challenges a lot of things. It challenges not just consumerism, but the kind of raw exploitation that has to happen to pursue that kind of consumerism. It restores land by rethinking how to grow food. It restores people in that these guys have got to find a way to make money and stay afloat. But at the same time, they don't want to make so much money that they run their neighbors out of business. So their neighbors get together right, <laughs> and they start thinking, well, these are all the different foods that these local restaurants need. You grow this, I'll grow that, I'll grow that. Now listen, Monsanto is not doing that. These companies are not doing that. That only happens when you're a neighbor to this other farmer and you're like, we need to both survive. How do we both survive? And that comes up, this again is a concept comes right out of Wendell Berry and Jaber Crow, the book that we're going to be reading is look, Wendell's always concerned about, and we're going way more into it than we need to for a podcast, but we get really excited about this. 
But Wendell's always looking at Troy Chatham and saying, Troy Chatham's deal is he wants to buy his neighbor's farm. He doesn't want a neighbor. Right. And so we want to look at how, and, and, and ultimately, and I think maybe this is a way to wrap up, and I'll let you have the last word here. We want to wrap up with what does it mean to live a Christian life that cares about our neighbor, cares about our neighbor's home, and the, the home that we live in, the home that all of us sort of share, how do we live here? What are the values we have? What are the pictures and stories we have from Scripture? What does that look like? And what makes that different from the world that we, we sort of see and live in? My um, thesis supervisor, who has been promoted to glory, said in class one day, he said, the biggest question facing the church moving forward is not going to be about style of worship, is not going to be about role of women. Thank God. Is not going to be about homosexuals and whether or not they should be welcome. And at this point, the whole class is looking at him like, well, then what in the world is there to talk about? He says, the biggest question facing the church that is going to make or break them is, will they address consumerism? And everybody went, oh God, that is way worse. Every, every student in the room. It's fundamental. He said, that's what everything is about. And I think there are parts of the world that I, I know, I don't have to say, I think, I know that there are people in the world that see the way we consume, that we don't live any differently, that there's not a marked way that I choose to do things. And they lose respect for how true my religion can really be. Because of, because of consumerism. Because of consumerism. That is at the heart of, of a lot of this that we are going to talk about. And they find coming to church, they may come to a book group where we're going to read Wendell Berry, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're not going to come on a Sunday morning because they just don't see where that has anything to do. Um, and they're very spiritual people. They really consider talking about creation far more spiritual. And that is something we have neglected. Yeah. Um, in the evangelical church, we have we have neglected that stewardship. Um, and as you mentioned to me when we were going through the course, stewardship has just come to be related to how much money we're giving, not care. The term has lost meaning because it's right. been co-opted um, by the Dave Ramsey kind of movement. Exactly, and that is just—it's hurt us. It's hurt us in credibility. And in traction. And I happen to work in a part of town now to where there's tons of young families and a lot of them are not going to the church where I work. The staff is very open and they said they'll come to a book study we'll do. They'll come to a conversation we're going to have about difficult um, things, about how to love your um, homosexual neighbor, about how to um, love your Muslim neighbor. He said, but they don't see what we do on Sunday morning is relevant to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that's huge. So I feel that this message is a part of the broader message where we talk about the last course that I taught had a big boots on the ground issue with marginalized people. Mm -hmm. This is the way we've marginalized the planet. We've yeah. marginalized our resources. Yeah. We have marginalized creation, putting ourselves in the center of this yeah. and just consuming every bit of it. And that is something I think we have to own and recognize and repent for and say we actually have a role to play 
in restoration as a witness to resurrection. And I know I said I'll let you have the last word, but I want to I want to tack. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I will. Uh, you can respond to this. I want to tack a piece on that that I think is is exceptionally valuable, and that is that, uh, and it's part of our thinking a lot too, is that the the whole dualism piece I think is going to play a huge part. Of this. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk about that at some point. Yeah. The idea that we're really just spirits, and that's what's important. Well, no, God created this world, and he plans to restore it. That's a huge part of our theology here. And it's a, it's a huge part of everything that we're really doing yeah. in the course. So Yeah, it, it is. And, it, and it's going to be um, a lot of those great hymns that I love and will still hum to as I'm gardening, ironically. Pure heresy. I'll fly away. Yeah. You know, um, uh, love it. It's a good foot stomping uh, tune. And it makes for a nice funeral. But I, I heard that, you know, once that 70% of our theology was actually internalized through those hymns yeah, and through yeah, that music. Yeah. So when you think about resurrection, the first thought is not for this place to be resurrected, right. which means we put no value on this. Right. And that's a huge part of this. Yeah. So really hoping that uh, this kind of opens up the idea of what this course is about. We're super excited about it, and I know Paul and the folks at PodShares are super excited about it. I can't wait for it to start. We've got a little bit more development to do. This isn't going to be super lecture-heavy. I think it's really we're, we're going to have a few kind of key lessons at the beginning that we're developing, Then a lot of it's just going to be reading and reflection and writing. There are some really practical assignments. I think one where we're going to, everyone's going to grow something. Yeah. Another one where, and you and I have found a lot of joy in getting to know birds. Right. <laughs> and what that's taught us about the, our backyard and our, and our place and our creation. And so we've got an assignment about that. We are uber excited about it. So please come check it out. Thank you so much, Vanjie, for sitting with me on a Wednesday night and putting up with our dog trying to get in the way. And um, hopefully this has been helpful. I don't have a date on this yet. Uh, We will get that out soon. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have been moved by this podcast, please remember to share on social media. If you would like to know more about Forging Plowshares, would like to contact us with questions, want to ask about how you can get involved, or for more information about how you can support this ministry, please go to our website at forgingplowshares.org.